This is Alwyn Wayne and you're listening to Caribbean Power Lunch. Podcast World, this is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, and today we talk fintech. Today we talk to the master of the unbanked, the hero of the unbanked, Mr. Alwyn Wayne, the CEO and founder of WePay. As touted, WePay is the number one payment platform in the Caribbean, empowering people to accept and make payments online using all forms of payment in their local currency. Alwyn, how are you doing, sir? Hey, what's happening, Kevin? Hey, man, I'm good, man. Thanks for taking time out your busy schedule. I mean, we've come a, we've come a long road to get here, right? You wanted the biggest banks in the Caribbean investing 20% in your company. You just spoke a tech beach. You have eyes on the Jamaican Junior Stock Exchange. You just launched a rebel card. You've partnered with one of the biggest investors in the Caribbean. How did we get here though? Because I mean, you started in October 2016, but I want to go back a little bit before that, right? So you you did a bachelor's in Comsai and you did a master's in Comsai. So what happened then? Like what spurred you to decide, hey, what's going on? I want to start a fintech company in Trinidad. I want to change how the financial sector in Trinidad to make operates. Well, it started that way. I could tell you that. All right. I've always been into computers. My first computer was uh, Apple IIe. My dad got me one, probably was about seven. And a funny story, true story. These people came in from Hungary and they came to Trinidad to you know, bring us up to speed with technology. This was like 91 or 89, I think it was. By that time, I've been playing with the Apple computer for about five years. And my uncle taught me, you know, a few tricks on that. And um, I had this one game called Moon Patrol that was built in the computer's internal memory. So all you had to do was type catalog and, you know, it will bring up this menu of games. So I have a picture of it. My mom still have it on her desk. They came in and it's like, we're going to teach you about computers. You know, they're looking at us as like this two of the world country. So you put a floppy this in and this is good. I'm, I'm there with my seven year old self saying, hang on, white people. <laughs> and I went type catalog and, and they're like, why? Don't, like, what, what are you doing? And then I saw on in a game and there's this picture. Uh, my mom's gonna have it on her desk right now with this seven-year-old boy like this and two people from Hungary, eyes wide open. Like, how does he even know this? Because, you know, they thought that in Trinidad, we had no idea what computers were. And, and they came down here to expose us to this thing. And, you know, we already had computers. You know? Well, actually, our family there. I came from an electronic family. We sell electronic stuff. So obviously, you know, we play with the, the best. I had that experience and that's how I, I found my love for computers. And, and, and you know, ever after that, it was, you know, high school, college, I was always in computers, always going to do programming. And, and that's how I got into computer science in university. Right. So, you know, after you finish your bachelor's, you finished your bachelor's in 2003, mm-hmm. then you started a company, well, the next year it's called Powerline Communications of China. To be that's a little bit later on after master's. Powerline, actually, before I did Powerline, probably at the same time, I did Cedrus Cable, mm-hmm. which was a cable company in Cedrus. Okay. So I had that. What about 2,000 customers, 3,000 customers. So what, what did that company do? Provide cable TV. 
to Cedrus. Yeah. Cedrus cable. So it's, it's like one of those localized cables, like so Diamond yeah. Field has so there. If you've ever been to South, so after point four N, between point fourteen and Cedrus is a bunch of nothing. I guess the cable companies didn't see it, you know, worthy to run cable between point and Cedrus because of that nothingness. <laughs> so it always left the people of Cedrus, you know, on the outside. You know, what I mean, when it comes to internet and cable TV. I found somebody had a, a lot and a half of land and I talked them into letting me use it. I had a 40 foot container that I put cable equipment in, bought, you know, two satellite dishes, put it out there. And then I ran cable the entire community of Cedrus. And yeah, 2,000 people provided them a cable TV. And then a year later, we gave them internet. So that's Cedrus cable. How many people did you have helping you with this? It was me, King, well, five, five people. Wow, that's amazing. How long it took you to put that together? We had our first few customers within a, a week because that's right within. But to do the whole of Cedrus, it probably took us about six months each, so about a year to get all okay. Cedrus covered. Yeah. All right, so you provide in cable and internet for this small community of about 2,000 or so people. Yeah, and then we, we got up to point fourteen, so we was in point fourteen as well. Competing oh, with, well, that's a bigger city right there. Bigger borough, but yeah. All right, so you got it, got into the bigger borough, and then what happens next? Yeah, so after providing that, looking at at that point in time, crime was you know, kind of on the rise, and I found a way to do camera systems. I founded this company called Powerline Communication that allowed us to use IP cameras. Now, in 2007, everyone was still using analog cameras, so I started bringing on IP cameras and I used existing power lines to send the signal for my cameras. What does that mean? I can have a camera system set up in your house without running one single wire and not use wireless. I would use the existing power lines in your house. So Grand Bazaar, that intersection, remember that's the first camera you ever saw on the, on the highway that was done using power line communications by my company for Ministry of Works and Transportation. Okay, okay. So how do you decide to start going into the fintech space? So after Powerline, the, the progression was provide a service that, you know I mean, was niche, that was needed, which was Seizures Cable. So opportunity to do something better, which was analog to digital cameras, that's Powerline. And then we went into like 2012, 2013, you know, mobile phones became really popular. And app development was the thing. So I created an app development company called Coldwater. Ah, okay. And uh, we did some of the bigger applications for political parties <laughs> and phone companies. Can I hear a few examples? Yeah, and it's two in each one. Right. So. so you build one, one app each. You build about four apps, essentially. I build a whole lot more than four, but those are the two big ones that we, we built. PNM app, mm-hmm. B-Mobile. What does PNM app do? And that's how we started WePay. It was the first app that allowed you to make payments within the app without using a credit card. Oh, so I mean, I could go on the PNM app or the UNC app and essentially fund the party just by that? Yeah, that was the purpose of it. You would have been able to hit 10, 20, 30 laws and it would have debited your balance. So, okay. And this money is coming from, is it coming from my bank accounts or is it coming from just my credit? Your phone credit. For my phone credit? It was your phone credit. Oh, shit. That's interesting. 
And so that's how Weepy was born because, you know, we started realizing that people wanted to make payments through your phone, but phone credit was limited. We went to the phone companies and tried to work a deal. It didn't happen. Right, right. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it for myself. So essentially you're, you're already targeting the unbanked in that manner because yeah. you don't need a bank account if you're just going to buy a $100 phone credit, $200 phone credit and send it to, to the rice and so nobody buys it. Okay, that's great, man. That's great. Okay, so but all right, so you said that's how we pay started. Yeah, so we will we built an app that would allow you to you know make payments through your phone credit, right? Mm-hmm. But the phone credit lied with the phone company, so I went to the phone companies and said, "Listen, we could expand the service beyond yourself." They like the idea, but you know, they they thought they could do it themselves. They don't want interested in a partnership at that point. Okay. So I just decided to do it on my own. And that's where WePay was born. We built the same model. The thing is, we didn't have a phone company to sell top-ups. So we built our own model to sell WePay top-ups, which would allow anyone to go buy a WePay top-up. But if you had the WePay plugging on your website or your company or your uh, mobile device, someone could pay you just like they would top up a Digicel or B-Mobile Home, but they will pay you directly with the top up. All right. So just for the listener right now who, who may not be familiar to Weepy, because we have listeners outside of Trinidad Tobago and outside the region where, where you'd have touched already. So just kind of give us a nice, maybe a half a minute summary of what WePay is and what WePay does. WePay is a payment platform. It's a payment platform that allows for payment in and out of digital formats. So you could pay in with cash, as I just explained with the purchase of a top-up card, which is exactly like buying phone credit, or you could pay in with a credit card. We are a payment gateway. So you can use MasterCard, Visa card, Amex card on our platform to process money. We also do payouts through the platform using existing banking infrastructure. So we could pay to any bank in Trinidad, any bank in Jamaica, any bank in Solution, any bank in Guyana, because we are tied into the local banking network. So the WePay platform is a pay-in, pay-out payment network that uses technology instead of traditional banking infrastructure. All right. So you came from a remote area in South Trinidad. You had a nice customer base there. But here you are, you're creating this business that's supposed to at least target the, the nation as a whole. Yeah. All right. So how do you go about acquiring customers for WePay? How did WePay start getting its customers? We are now part of that e-commerce revolution that's been taking place in the developed world. So it's, it's now here. And the main pillar of e-commerce is payments. You know, you can't have a business if you can't get paid, right? Yeah. So by creating this platform that allows you to make online or receive online payments, we actually don't market we pay to anyone. If you have a business and you're trying to get online, you need we pay to collect your money. Right, the options besides WePay is PayPal, and if you try using PayPal, you need a US account, and it takes <laughs> a month to get your money. If you get it at all, if you get it at all, because you and I were talking pre-show, right? And I've for the past couple of months, I've been getting pissed off using PayPal. Right, I have a I have a balance on PayPal. I mean, it's not a big balance of about fifty odd dollars on PayPal, but I want it. Right, I want my money. That's your fault. Huh? Well, okay. <laughs> so I'm, I try to withdraw to my credit card. <laughs> you, you know where you won't have that problem? If I had WePay, right? There you go. <laughs> so we get into that, right? So I'm trying to withdraw money to my credit card. It won't let me. 
I'm trying to transfer money from that balance to another PayPal account. It won't let me. I can't touch that balance. It's just, the balance is just hard. That's their money. But that sucks because a few years ago, I was able to do that, right? Yeah. I was is. able to get my money normal. It's, Always be pay solve that for me. Right. So it's about regulations, right? Mm-hmm. So where they're regulated to do business is not in Trinidad, right? So you went ahead and get a US card. You went around the system until they caught up with you. They still, <laughs> you you have a US card, but you're in Trinidad doing Trinidad like business. Citizens visa card, <laughs> right? So that's not how it's supposed to work. So because we partner with local financial institutions, that's regulated by the local regulators here. We could go ahead and remit the money straight to your first citizens bank account, or we partner with a bank account, a Scotia bank account, because our banking partner is here in Trinidad. Unlike PayPal, I think their nearest regulated country would be Mexico. Mm. So okay. you have to play within the space that you have. And, and that's the value that we bring to the Caribbean. We are registered and partnered with local FIs that's going to be regulated by the local central bank. So brings value to us here in the Caribbean. And it's lovely that you could say that now, but I'm, when I was doing my research on you, I read that it was quite an uphill battle with you and the regulators that, um, in fact, that you had a meeting with the central bank every Wednesday. Can you expound on that a little bit? They're bankers, essentially. Right. And I'm a tech company. So obviously there would be a disconnect, right? You know, they're looking at me, it's like, you're not a bank. And I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm not a bank. <laughs> but you're dealing with money. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm dealing with technology. Right. I'm partnered with financial institutions. So it was an uphill battle. They were willing to learn and to our credit here in Trinidad and in other islands. Most of the regulators, they understand that this is the natural evolution of, of payments. So they wanted to understand what we was doing and wanted to help us forward in some parameter of what they regulate. So it was a fight. But I don't think it was a fight to stop what we were doing. It was a fight to make sure that we understood what they were looking for and they understood what technology is allowing for companies like myself to do in the space. And it's something that the space wanted. So it was growing pains of the industry, you know. And now I like to say, you know, we, we are trailblazer in that aspect because we know it was going to be a fight to change or create something brand new. And we accepted that fight and today we we now moving forward and I'm hearing there's three or four other we pays coming behind us. And I, I love it. You know, you gotta I mean? make the industry, you gotta help the industry, right? Yeah, it's developing. So that's the plan. And and you know, at the end of the day, if we could have a new source of revenue in the country in that e commerce space, you know, I think it's it's better for Trinidad on the whole. Yeah. And you have you have a quote that I really like. Your quote says, you cannot lead with regulation. You have to lead with innovation, you know? And I mean, I just want to add to that. So when you lead with innovation, it's like regulation has to catch up and kind of build a regulation to suit your innovation. And that's, and that's how we grow as yeah. the economy. That's how we grow. True story, but I actually told the regulator that. Oh, you told the regulator that? So they were like, this doesn't fit, you know what I mean, what we have. And I'm like, that's your job. Your job is to regulate. My job is to innovate. So after I innovate, you regulate what I just innovated. 
Well, you're in, you're in compliance now, so that's good to go. You know, you could comfortably say you're in compliance now, so that's that's good. But I want to talk about you, so getting off the ground, right? So it's, again, you know, young black man from South, you're coming up, you're starting your business, you're, you're fighting with regulators and stuff, but you still need that capital to get you to that next level, right? And you're able to obtain capital and support from a high net worth investor. Uh, I actually had support from my father, first of all. Oh, that's, that's your first high net worth investor? Of course. Okay. I came from a business family. Okay. Right. A black man who had businesses in, in the South and I would write on my business plan and back of a paper and go into his in the mom's and dad's room and say, hey, I got an idea, mm-hmm. but I need some money. And I'll show him and they will be looking at the news and he's like, yeah, okay, sure. And... Won't take me serious, and I'll go back and back, and then like the fourth time, he's like, "All right, cool. Yeah, what? I'm gonna give you some money. Go do it." And that's how I started every one of my companies. So he was always my investor. But after my father, I did had investors every year. So my first year was Daddy. Second year I got Jerry Hadid, who's the CEO and owner of Beacon Insurance, and then the third year I got Republic Bank. All right, so tell me about you're able to get Jerry, Jerry to invest. I met with Jerry a few times. Jerry's not an easy man to, to do anything, you know? So how was that negotiation like? It wasn't even a negotiation. I came like, told him, like, this is what I'm going to do. He said, into technology. Mm-hmm. He did not even look at the business plan. We just vibed. We spent that first two years working together and we have not signed a contract. The entire investment that he made, we did not even sign a contract. We just vibed. And then, you know, Republic Bank is, well, they had to sign a contract. <laughs> They're a bit different, but. Well, how was that, you mean, on board in Republic Bank then? Oh, it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> they were a custodial bank before, so they had history oversight on what we were doing. And I would have to say the CEO, I mean, he's a, a visionary. I mean, he understood that, you know, the bank and the banking sector is transitioning from traditional banking to digital banking and the asset to have fintech on board. And he had one meeting and he didn't hesitate. He was like, okay, let's do it. Let's find a valuation and let's see what number we can find. And, and, and once you agree, you know, we're going to do it. So, I mean, I would like to take credit for it, but I would gladly say it's Nigel Batiste and his, his vision for what banking should be in, in Trinidad. So you mentioned valuation, right? I mean, valuation is a function of expected monetization, right? When the audience understand, how does WePay make money? Now, I know you guys have this court pay system that you that is a result of a partnership with um, the judiciary of Trinidad and Tobago, but how else do you guys make money? Uh, we make on the transaction fees. So when you purchase something and there's a 2% or 3% fee for a transaction, the bank makes some, Visa, MasterCard makes some, and yeah, they make some. Visa, MasterCard, they made the interconnection fee. But so you tack on a, a transaction fee in addition to the interconnection fee, essentially? No, no, no. We, we just have one flat fee. Our service to the banks is we have a discounted rate and our fee just makes up the rest to make it the expected rate. So let's say it's 3%, we pay still at 3%. All right. So how easy is it for me to, let's say I want to exchange my PayPal accounts and use WePay for my local stuff, right? Mm-hmm. How easy is it for me to do? Like, what do I need to do? Just go online and sign up. 
It's like opening a PayPal account. You put your name, your address, you take a picture of your driver's license, and voila. Add your bank account, your Trini bank account, and money goes right in there. And I'm able to purchase stuff online from Amazon or wherever easily. No, so remember PayPal, you receive payments. So if someone pays you with a credit card, the money comes into your account. If someone sends money to you, it goes into your account. But PayPal also allows you to make international payments. Right. So if you're using your credit card, right, you can make that payment without WePay. You could use your WePay account to make that transaction. But just from our experience with the local market, you will just use your credit card online. What we do with our online account is allow you to receive payments. So let's say you're charging for this podcast and someone needs to pay you. You have a WePay account. You go on your website. It has a pay button. When you hit pay, they enter their credit card and the money comes straight into your local bank account. And the sender does not need to have a WePay account? No. Just like with, you know, if you have PayPal on your website, just enter your credit card info. It's a great solution for businesses. Yeah. And then you can actually send an invoice. So you, let's say you don't even have a website. Give me your email address. I'll send you an invoice. And at the bottom of the invoice, it says pay. When you hit pay, you enter your credit card number. And, you know, the money comes straight to your bank account. So you recently launched a product called the Rebel Card. We announced. You announced. How is that product intended to work? So it's going to be a prepaid card. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can load it at any location where we pay accepts cash load, which is like MP and uh, UDPAD. So you got stations. Mm-hmm. Working with Massey. Right now we're in a trial basis with Massey. Once that goes fine, we're in all Massey locations. And we have our own locations as well. So you'll be able to sign up for this card online. You have this card, it would be instantly sent to your phone, a digital version of it. And you load cash via you know, the locations that I just mentioned. And you'll be able to use it anywhere Visa MasterCard is accepted. A week later, you could get the physical card, which would allow you to go and spend at physical locations. As you could tell, there's no card information on the front. Because it's tied to your app on your phone. Right. I see it has a chip. Yeah. All cards needs to be chip and pin moving oh, yeah. forward. Only modern cards. Cards, yeah. So if you need to make an online payment, as you see, there's no PAN information on the card. You could actually go to your Rebel card. And this is where you could tap on point of sale machines. But if you want to make an online payment, you put your PIN in and voila. There's your credit card number Nice that you could just nice. enter online. So it's an added security feature that in the event that you lose this card, there's nothing you could do with it because the pin and the card number is actually on the app. And then the app has some better features than you would normally get with a regular card. So I could actually, let's say I lost it, freeze the card. I could change the pin, change the CVV. The card also gives you insurance. It's really about digitization and helping us to, to go cashless and all of that, right? It's about inclusion. Yeah. Inclusion for everyone who probably wanted to get a bank instrument, a card, but couldn't get it. Or, you know, you probably could get it, but the rates were too, too high for your liking. This is something that would give everyone the opportunity to make and receive payments online, whether you banked or unbanked or underbanked. 
So it's about inclusion and financial independence. So how are we getting the word out to the unbanks? I mean, I know we spoke earlier about the examples with, with your phone credits and, and I know you spoke about the gas stations and all that, but how do we get the word out? How do we onboard the unbanked? Believe it or not, for the last two years, Repay's products weren't for consumers, for individuals, sorry. They were for businesses. Like I just explained, you would put Weep in your site to receive a payment. Rebel is our first consumer-facing product for individuals, right? So we're going to actually market this to individuals. And we have a really nice marketing strategy for the unbanks. Okay. For people who haven't heard about WePay, it's because WePay will, in their space of you know, selling products to entrepreneurs, businessmen, individuals that are selling stuff online. The rubber card is going to be for everyone. So now you're going to see WePay market to everyone. You're going to see what that looks like. Well, I mean, uh, it's going you, to be a you guys are looking to do big things. You guys are looking to jump on the Jamaican Stock Exchange next year? Yeah. Tell us about that. You, mean, you made that announcement big and bold um, last, a couple of weeks ago in, in Tech Beach. I mean, uh, you know how, how what it, it takes to, to get onto Junior Stock Exchange. You know, the, the process you have to go through. Yes. <laughs> we are listing on the Stock Exchange. So I think we had to go through that process, so. Okay, so well, talk about that process then. I mean, you, you mentioned this um, block station. Yeah, so um, we are not doing an IPO. We're doing something called an STO. Right. Uh, STO is a digital version of an IPO. Uh, security token offering. Yeah. You're not a, it's almost like a Bitcoin, no. one of those things. It's not about Bitcoin. So this is regulated. Bitcoin and, and most of those cryptocurrencies that you see are unregulated. Mm-hmm. SDO is a regulated digital asset. It's going to be regulated by the stock market and central bank of Jamaica. So it has a framework that allows for investors to invest and have it done in a controlled manner compared to Bitcoin and those other ICO type products. So please don't confuse the two. <laughs> it's totally different. Yeah. The reason why we went with SDO and IPO is that we are a cutting edge company. And STOs are a cutting-edge product that is going to revolutionize the way people invest in companies. And to be one of the first companies to actually go public using STO is something that I'm you know, very privileged to be in that position. You know, uh, Jamaica's stock exchange is one of the few or probably the first stock exchange to actually publicly, you know, I mean, STOs as a form of investment. So given the option, we went STO because of the flexibility it gives us. It gives someone in China to invest in repay in Jamaica without having to have Jamaican dollars or US dollars. You know, you could use any digital asset that you have because Blockstation would convert it into USD for us. So I could just go online and just participate in this SDO? Yeah. So we have a bigger cash burn pool. Instead of it just being Jamaica, we have the whole world. I don't need to um, use my Jamaican brokerage account or what? No, well, you have to use a, a brokerage account, mm-hmm. but you go to the site, it's easier to use one of those digitally traded brokerage accounts versus, you know, some IPO. Okay. So, I mean, let's, I mean, let's speak a little broader now. So how do you feel about the, you know, proliferation of fintech companies coming about? I mean, so there's international and then local and regional. You see a lot of local and regional players coming up. Like, how do you feel about that? The word fintech means you should be either in 
the financial space or the technology space. And if you're not in either one, I'm not sure you're a fintech. What's the technology that you're using? Earlier you said that payments is um, a big factor of fintech. I mean, the payments occur as a result of the fintech platform, you know, the easy platform to enact payments, right? Yeah. So your fintech's doing insurances, your fintech's doing loans, your fintech's doing cryptocurrencies. So to broadly use the word fintech for anyone that's in the payment space, is why I asked you, you know, before, mm-hmm. what do you consider a fintech? <laughs> because being in the space, you know, I mean, I would guard that very closely because it's something that I live in a breed. So, I mean, if it's <laughs> if it's something that, you know, I mean, we want to get down that road, I want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. Right. So I'm strongly for development of the space, but I come from a place, especially um, after I graduated, in pushing barriers. And if you are going to be in the space with me, you need to challenge me. I need to wake up and be like, what is Kevin doing today? <laughs> no, I, I need to be busting my ass because Kevin is going to come up with something that's going to kick my ass. And that's what I want the space to be. That's what I need, right? Look, this year, different things we launched this year. Zillow, Rebel. Court Pay was this year as well? Right, yeah, it went live uh, with other courses this year. Right. Yeah. We have government payments went online. Trinidad and Bureau of Standards went on TTBS, TT BizLink. Every month with something new. You guys are TT BizLink? Yeah, but TT BizLink is going to go live this weekend. And that's how the space should be, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the same thing you've been doing for the last five years, I'm not too sure. I consider you competition. That's not an insult. That's just if I respect what I'm doing, you know what? I have to give it energy. I have to give it input every single day. I got to give it life. If you're not doing that, I'm just going to say, you do you, I'm, but I'm not going to look at you as competition. All right. Oh, you say that, Owen. So I want to ask you, that's one of my final questions. I want to know, Owen, what keeps you up at night? What phase do you have in operating in this industry, running this business? My fears are not based in traditional business, mm-hmm. right? Because... I will tell you, man, this last year I've heard everything from being drug dealer to being a money launderer. You hear all these things and I mean, I understand why and where it's coming from, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not mad at the persons that are saying it. I'm not mad at the circles that it's coming from. And you know what I mean, the circles that it's coming from. Your own circles? No. Well, yeah, that, but not my own circles. But the the thing is, it's uncomfortable for a lot of people. How can you trust someone that is not supposed to be in that space, right? I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer. I'm supposed to be good at that, right? I disagree with you right there because why the hell wouldn't you, aren't you supposed to be in that space? I mean, you come from a business family. You were playing with, with computers since you were eight. I mean, you study comps, right? So I mean, this is like a clear trajectory right here. Should be, right? Yeah. But no. I'm dealing with money, people's money. No, 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 no. A no. Lot you, of you're, you're fintech. You know, you're not a platform. So, you so enable people to make payments and everything, but you, you not hold my cash. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. But the connotation is that I'm dealing with money. The connotation is that I'm managing. It's true, but I'm millions of dollars of the course money, mm-hmm. millions of dollars of 
Caribbean Airlines money. That's the customer of ours. Millions of dollars of ministries money. That's not the space that I'm supposed to be in. And that brings a lot of negativity to it. But, you know, I mean, growing up as the son of a businessman, I understand that that negativity comes from a place of discomfort for seeing someone like me in this space. It would have been fine, like I said, if I was in the construction business. It would have been fine if it was a tech company that sells software or manages software. But it's not fine to be in the financial space. I'm not lifting anything. I'm not fixing anything with my hands. I'm sitting here and my company's making money and making money. And that type of business is normally reserved. I mean, it's not race. I'm not talking race here. I'm talking about placism. I'm talking about who normally owns the wealth. This makes a lot of people who feel that that's theirs uncomfortable. And this is why I get what I get. It's not in your wheelhouse, but I'm pretty sure it's hidden home for a lot of people whose wheelhouse is, is falling within, where my problem is just who I am, right? And like I said, you would think that's going to be something that's going to keep me up. But being true it for the last five, six years of my life, or more than that, I've become okay with what people don't understand. They don't understand how, like you said, from South, mm-hmm. you know, remote South. How are you here? You didn't go to Fatima. You didn't go to QRC. What's your connection? What's your link? I mean, you asked me the question, how do you get Jerry Hadid? Mm-hmm. Why, why is that weird? He's a dude, I'm a dude. You know what I mean? We hang out. Mm-hmm. Why is that weird? But again, that's as part of how society set expectations on different people in society. So my affairs don't manifest itself in terms of how successful or not successful I am because I've been through the ringer when it comes to, you know, what people's expectations or, or lack of expectations are. My fear comes from people that look like me, not understanding that this is an avenue for you to do the same exact thing. Don't sit there and be like, that's something I cannot do. Or that's, he happened to meet Jerry. That's why. That's not why. And that's why I see that, you know, I mean, I know all these things aren't just happenstance, right? So what I'm trying to do is try to build out a roadmap so people could listen to it, read it and follow. Yeah. I mean, apply it to whatever they want to do. Whatever you want to do. I don't think it's weird that you met with Jerry. I met with Jerry a few times. I mean, I'm not saying I'm anybody, but I'm just saying, you know. But that shit, you are somebody. I went to school in Georgia. That's in the South. Mm-hmm. And, you know, during my tenure there, Racism and placism was a big thing. And white privilege was a big thing. Mm-hmm. And you laugh and you, you know, you say, you know, I'm confident or I'm cocky. I have black privilege. <laughs> you, know, you know, you say white privilege, I have black privilege. Yeah. I know what my worth is. I would love to hear more about the black privilege. It's knowing what my worth is. Mm-hmm. Right? I know what I can do. I know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine. It's the same way, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be created something else. So I'm not going to give 20, 30%, give 100% every single time and expect success. And if that comes out as cocky, well then 
I'm sorry, but that's what I expect. Hey, that's awesome. That's all right. As you look to wrap, I want to know if there's anything at all that you want to leave us with, anything that, that you want to get off your chest other than what you just said. <laughs> you know, I'm giving you open mic, open forum, open platform. Feel free to plug. Go ahead. What I would say is the internet. That's the greatest equalizer. Since the advent of the internet, you had the most first generational billionaires ever. For you to be a billionaire prior to the internet, you came from a generational family of wealth. Since the internet, you have billionaires that's been created within the same generation. So if you have a passion for something, go behind with all that you have, and you can achieve the success of whoever you're looking at or whoever you're striving to be because the internet is that equalizer. You don't need to have 15 locations as a business anymore. You don't need to have half a billion dollars worth of investment, right? You have this podcast. This podcast could turn you into the next Ellen, if you choose to. Or Dave Letterman. Yeah, it can. I mean, there's nothing stopping you. You have good content, they'll start listening. You get a major company to buy you in, put you on a slot. There's nothing stopping you. Previously, that wasn't the case. So use the internet or use this now connected world to build your own dream. Don't go building someone else's dream. Podcast world, there you have it. Bet on fintech with Alwyn Wayne. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, Alwyn. Podcast World, <laughs> Cabin Studios, we are out. Yeah.